Well, if you would, please open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Here we have a song. But before we turn to consider this song, I want to read the lines of a modern song. 1 Samuel 2 is an old song. I want to read the lines of a modern song to set things up. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence impoverished in squalor grow up to be a hero and a scholar? Many of you, though not all of you, will recognize these words as the opening lines of Hamilton, the critically acclaimed Broadway musical. Hamilton tells the story of the American Revolution, but the musical itself is also a revolution of sorts. Just looking at the cast of characters racially diverse, as well as the modern musical idioms like hip-hop and rap, R&B, used to tell a very old story. The musical comes to us in a modern medium, so our modern ears will hear the message. It's a musical that looks back in history, to the American Revolution, but it also intends to speak into our lives today. It tells the story, on the one hand, of a ragtag group who started a revolution. But it is asking a question, on the other hand, how will we experience change in our day? One of the reasons this particular musical is so powerful is because of, well, the music. If we simply wanted to know the history, we could read a book. Books get at our head. But a song, a song grabs our heart. You could read the new bestseller on Hamilton. It's about this thick, and it's one of the better ones, I'm told. My guess is you wouldn't remember hardly any of the exact words. But how many of you, the second I started with the opening lines of that verse, had not just the words, but the melody in your mind? How many of you can sing along to every word in the Hamilton soundtrack? Or maybe another generation, you choose your soundtrack. The point is the same. Hamilton, like other musicals, that's what they want you to do. They want you to sing at the top of your lungs, but they really want to captivate your heart. They want the message of the musical to change you so that you will sing not just with your lips, but your lives. We find something very similar going on in 1 Samuel 2. And yet at the same time, something very different. 
Let me explain. The first 10 verses of chapter 2 are a song. They are Hannah's song. And Hannah's song is in response to something that happened in history. Something that happened in her story. Remember chapter 1? Hannah was barren, but she gave birth to a son. Her song is a response to what the Lord had done in her story. Her song, if you will, is a response to many questions that were brought about in chapter 1. Hamilton opens with questions about how Alexander Hamilton, the fatherless, could become a founding father of our nation. Hannah's song opens with a similar type of questions. How can the weak be made strong? How can the hungry be fed? How can the low be lifted high? Very specifically, how can the barren give birth? How can that which is dead be brought to life? But the answer that Hannah gives is a very different answer than the one given in Hamilton. How did Hamilton, the one impoverished in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The song says he got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter. He learned to fend for himself. And he made a name for himself. The height of that first track on the soundtrack of the musical, we read, I mean, we hear the song say, the world's gonna know your name. That's the overture of Hamilton. I would say that is basically our national anthem as a country. Fend for yourself. Make a name for yourself. Hannah's song is completely opposite to that. I've called her song Highs and Lows. We're answering the question, how was lowly Hannah lifted high? And the answer is not by her strength. It was the Lord who lifted her. And so now she's singing because she wants the world to know the Lord's name. Not her name. Not the world's going to know my name. The Lord, the world is going to know the Lord's name. That's why she's singing. And friends, her song was not simply sung in the shower, so to speak. The biblical author has brought Hannah to the center stage. He has placed the spotlight on her and handed her the mic. He wants Israel to hear her song. He wants Israel to hear her song in such a way that they would sing her song. 
In fact, her song serves as the overture to the whole book of Samuel, 1st and 2nd Samuel. Really, an overture to the whole of redemptive history. But here's the thing. The author, remember this is in our Bibles, for us, wants you to hear her song. He wants you to hear that sweet melody so that you will sing along. He wants you to feel the rhythm so that you would dance along. He wants her song to be your song. A song of praise to the Lord who lifts the lowly. A song sung with our lips. Yes, as we have done here. But a song sung as well with our lives as we go out there. Friends, we know the national anthem of fend for yourself, make a name for yourself. We need to come to know the anthem of the church. And it is found in Hannah's song. But before we can come to sing it, We need to begin by listening to it. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. So the response to the story in chapter 1, we read, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted. In the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren is born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them set with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we have an old song. Hannah's song. 
But it's a song that's meant to be sung by others, by Israel most immediately, by us today, and eventually, God promises this song will be sung to the ends of the earth. So what I want to do with my time this morning is a little different than normal. My first point is my only point. I want to look at Hannah's song, walk through the, the, the lyrics, if you will, and tell you what I think the message behind the words is. But then we're going to move from Hannah's song to consider how this is the song of the book of Samuel, and then how it's the song of the New Testament before I invite you to join the chorus to sing and to apply this song to your life. So let's begin with Hannah's song. One of the things you'll find if people ask you, what kind of music do you like? You'll list some kind of genre of music, right? So what kind of song is this? What is the genre of this song? Is it choral music? Or is it country music? What, what kind of music is it? Well, it's a mix-up of genres. On the one hand, it is a bright anthem of praise. But on the other hand, it's a dark song of warning. Let me show you what I mean by this. Look at verses 1 and 2 to begin with. And notice the tonal quality if you will, of the words. My heart exults in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Can you hear those bright notes of praise. It's as if there were horns playing in the background. But did you hear that subtle minor chord warning her enemies? This comes out clearly in verse 3. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him Actions are weighed. So a bright song of praise, a dark song of warning, which really sets the tone for all that follows. What's going on in this opening stanza of this song? There are two voices, words in the mouth. We see the word mouth in verse 1. We see the word mouth in verse 3. Two voices, words in the mouth of two different groups of people. Some boast in the Lord for giving them strength. Others boast in their own strength. Hannah is boasting in the Lord. She's lifting up his name because he has lifted her up. He has given her strength. That's literally, or it's not literally, It's a metaphor, the metaphor of the horn. He has exalted my horn. It's a metaphor for 
strength. He's given her strength. She comes to see something very fundamental to the Christian life, to life in general, really. There is no way to be strong in God's economy. No other way than through trusting in God. That's it. There is no rock like our God. She's come to see what we all need to see. We are needy. We are weak. We may fool ourselves into thinking otherwise. But we are weak and the Lord is strong. The only way to be strong is by trusting in our strong God. Not in our strength, but boasting in His strength. And the God who gives strength. The arrogant, on the other hand, beat their chest. Boast in their strength. They don't trust the Lord. In fact, they are against the Lord. Maybe not explicitly, but all who do not trust in the Lord are de facto against the Lord. Hannah is warning them. Those who lift themselves up are in deep trouble. They will be brought down by the Lord. Do you hear the different chords in this song? Bright song of dark song of warning. I would summarize the message before we continue on this way. Lift the Lord high because the Lord lifts up the humble and brings down the haughty. A lot to write down, but that's all I'll ask you to write down today. Lift high the Lord who lifts up the lowly, the humble, who also brings down the haughty. The rest of this song, we will see this lifting up and this bringing down. We will see the highs and we will see the lows and they will become the basis of our praise but also the basis of warning. Let's look beginning in verse 4 and 5 at these reversals. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. These reversals are not simply describing the way things work in the world. Some people move from rags to riches. Other people from riches to rags. They're certainly not telling our national anthem of the way to make it to the top is by pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. All of this we see in verses 6 to 7 
are because of the Lord's action. The reason we should praise God is because He's the one who lifts up. He's the one who brings down. He is the sovereign Lord over all of history. The Lord kills, we read in verse 6, and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and exalts. We will never come to the right posture that we need until we get a hold of the fact that the Lord is sovereign over all of history. He holds the power over all things. Not just barrenness and birth. As miraculous as that is. Not just wealth and poverty. We are told here that God holds the very keys to life and to death. It's all grounded in the fact that He is the Creator. So it's no surprise that He is sovereign over all of history. Look at the last part of verse 8. We've been told of all these reversals. We've been told that the Lord is behind them. And then we read the reason why. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them He set the world. He created the thing. He created each of us. Doesn't it make sense that He would rule over all of it? And because God has created us, guess what? We are accountable to Him. All of us will answer to Him. So when we act in arrogance against Him, through acting as though we don't need Him, or maybe simply ignoring Him, does He not have the right to judge us? We may fool ourselves, we may fool others, but we can't fool the Lord. Verse 3 gives us the reason the arrogant need to be warned. It's because the Lord is a God of knowledge and by Him actions are weighed. Search my heart, Lord. See if there be any grievous way in me. He sees it. He sees it all. If you saw it, if I saw it, what He sees, we would be humbled. We may bow up against the Lord. We may bow up and act like we don't need Him. But the moment we're there, we need to realize that He breaks the bows of the mighty. He's not only the sovereign Lord, Verses 9 to 10 teach us that He is also the righteous judge. All He does in lifting up and bringing down is according to His righteous judgment. Look again at verses 9 to 10. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones. That's acting in righteousness. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. That's judging in righteousness. Why? 
for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The theme of this whole song could be summarized in that very memorable line in verse 9. Not by might shall a man prevail. Human strength is not the way to make it in the kingdom of God. It may work in the world for a time, but it won't work in God's kingdom. The world tells you to fend for yourself, to make a name for yourselves. But here's the sober truth. If left to ourselves, we can't fend for ourselves. We will be defenseless in the face of the God of the universe. Our only hope is to put our trust in Him. There is no rock. There is no God like our God. He alone can make the weak strong. This is Hannah's song. But did you notice something? In these last two verses we just read, the song of Hannah isn't really about her situation. Well, it is, but it's so much bigger than her situation. She isn't simply singing about the Lord bringing birth to the barren. She does sing about that. Did you notice she also speaks of the Lord giving life and death, of putting the poor in the seat of princes, of giving strength to the king, in exalting the horn of the Lord's anointed? Do you see where she has traveled in this song from the first line to the last line of speaking of the Lord exalting her horn, her strength, to speaking of the Lord exalting the horn of His anointed king? Her song is much bigger than her situation. Hannah's song, as I said earlier, serves as the overture to the entire book of Samuel. What the Lord has done for her sets the stage for what the Lord will do for the nation. We saw last week Samuel largely, 1st and 2nd Samuel, is about the Lord establishing the monarchy and mainly about establishing his covenant with King David. But Israel wasn't ready for all that. All of this is getting them ready. It's preparation. They needed to come to see that the first thing they needed was not a king like the nations. The first thing they needed was to realize that the Lord was sovereign, that the Lord is king. Then they needed to come to see the kind of human king that God wanted to give them, and it wasn't the king that they were looking for. You see, the way the world makes it to the top is by exalting human strength, but God's way is different, and He wants us to learn to expect His way. He lifts up the humble. He brings down the haughty. 
we will see this worked out in every chapter of the rest of 1 Samuel this year and all of 2 Samuel next year. You see, Hannah has really helped us. She has helped to prepare us so that we won't be surprised by what we find in the story, even though a lot of it is very surprising to the ears of the world. You see, if God does in fact lift up the humble, and He does, and if He brings down the proud, and He does, then guess what? Next week when Pastor Dan is in this pulpit, you're not going to be surprised to hear that the Lord uses a small boy named Samuel to bring about the demise of the guy in the highest place of authority within Israel at that time. You're not going to be surprised to see in the week following that that God judges the arrogance of the Philistines. You're not going to be surprised when we come to chapter 9 to see that Saul, who is not the ultimate king, that God is pointing to, is taller than anyone else in all of Israel. The word taller in the Hebrew is the same word for mighty. You won't be surprised when we come to chapter 16 to hear David described literally as smaller than all of the rest of his eight brothers. And you won't be surprised when you come to David's First song in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel to hear him describe the death of Saul in this way. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. You won't be surprised to see God use a small shepherd boy to bring down boasting Goliath, the so-called champion of the Philistines. Again, a word that in the Hebrew means mighty. We won't be surprised when David himself acts in pride in his sin against Bathsheba and Uriah to see that the Lord uses Nathan to bring him to his knees. And you won't be surprised that when the book ends. It ends with another song. This time David singing a song that uses the exact same language as Hannah's song to show us that God did what he promised he would do. He did exalt the horn of his anointed king. Listen to some of the lines from these closing verses of the song in 2 Samuel chapter 22. Verse 28, David says, You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. Isn't that exactly what Hannah said? He goes on in his the end of chapter 22. He says, The Lord lives and blessed be my rock. That's verse 47. And exalted Be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me 
above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. The Song of Hannah is the song for the book of Samuel. I've just given you the table of contents for the rest of this series. It's the Song of David, the anointed king. But guess what? It's also the song of the anointed king, the Messiah, the son of David, King Jesus. You know, it's so interesting. We've seen the song of Hannah, which becomes the song of Samuel. Now we're moving into the part where I say this is the song of the New Testament. And it's interesting. Mary is, she meets an angel who gives her this news that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Messiah. And guess what the next thing, guess the next thing she does? She sings a song. A song that sounds almost identical to the song that Hannah is singing. Let me read a few lines for you from Luke 1, 46 to 55. My soul magnifies the Lord. Isn't that my heart exalts in the Lord? My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. The same words of the same song. The coming of Jesus puts a song in Mary's mouth that sounds a lot like Hannah's song because through His coming, the story Hannah was singing has reached its crescendo. And the story that unfolds after Mary sings her song is so similar to the story that unfolds after Hannah sings hers. The life of King Jesus was just as counterintuitive Countercultural, unexpected as the events in Samuel. But Hannah, if we've been listening, she's trained us to hear it. She's trained us to expect the unexpected. She's trained us to believe that God does, in fact, raise up the humble and bring down the haughty. So, we shouldn't be surprised when we see that the Son of God is born of a virgin. We shouldn't be surprised to see that the Son of God deals with the enemy of sin and death 
by being executed on a Roman cross. We shouldn't be surprised that though they put him in the grave, that the Lord raised him up from the grave. We shouldn't be surprised when we come to the last book of the Bible and hear about the lion of the tribe of Judah is also described as the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the earth. This is the way the song sounds. We shouldn't be surprised when we read in Paul that God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong and then calls us to boast in the Lord, not in ourselves. Hannah's song, friends, is quite simply gospel music. It teaches us the way the gospel works. It is not by human might that men prevail. It is through the Lord lifting the lowly. The question is, how will you hear this song? You see, it is a song of joyful praise for the humble, for those who see their weakness, who are aware of their sin, and therefore lean on Jesus to receive God's forgiveness and strength. For them, this is hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I mean, just full of joy. But this song, as we said earlier, we need to come back to, is also a dark warning for the proud because God will judge the ends of the earth, we read in verse 10. And we go on to see that He will judge the ends of the earth through His anointed King. So here's the thing. At His first coming, He came to save a people from their sin. But He's coming again. He's coming again to judge those who will not bow the knee of their heart and receive His grace and mercy. Hannah had a song. A song that Israel needed to learn. It was a song that was on the lips of Mary as well. The question I have for you this morning is, do you want to sing along? That's why it's here. This is not simply a historical artifact. This is not simply here to tell us about the way that God saved other people and changed them. It is a song that is meant to save us. And to change us. How can you sing this song? You have to begin by putting aside pride and self-reliance. Maybe let me put it this way. Rock stars don't sing Hannah's song. Only the chorus of the redeemed on their knees can sing this song. Self-reliance is 
false strength. And we are fooling ourselves if we do not think that we are prone to self-reliance. So let me just ask you, what are you looking to for strength? Is it your work ethic? Your wisdom? Your wealth? Are you going to make it a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter? These things may work to help you make it to the top in the world, but your position there won't last for long. And you can't spend this currency in God's economy. The checks won't cash. If you're relying on yourself, then you're basically rejecting God. That is pride. And God warns the proud that He will bring them down in judgment. But the good news is if you put aside your self-reliance and rely on Jesus, lean on Him for repose. God's anointed King, the One who humbled Himself on the cross and was then exalted. If you lean on Him, You can be saved from your sins and you will be safe from His coming judgment. And one day, raised up together with Him. It's not by human might that men prevail. It is through Christ. That's the way to sing her song. Hannah lifts up the Lord because He lifts up the humble. She boasts in God for what He has done. This will be true of all who belong to the Lord. Lift up His name, not your own. Praise Him with your lips, but then go out and praise Him with your lives. Let's get to singing, church. Pray with me. Father, we know You see all things. So we do ask that You would search us. Reveal to us the areas where we are leaning on our own strength. I hate to ask it, but I ask that You would expose us So that we would see just how needy we are. How low we are. So that we might look up to you. To your son. Grant us faith. Grant us forgiveness. Give us lips. That will then sing your praise. We ask in Jesus name. Amen.